2: Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today I'll be sharing some insights and practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, a philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in our world today. And today we're going to look at purposeful living. The idea of that, of course, is not new, it's not uh, new to the yoga world, every religious, uh, spiritual, or even secular tradition has their version of what it is to live a righteous life, a purposeful life. And with the influx of yoga philosophy and practice and Vedic wisdom in the West, along came the idea of Dharma, a a new way to look at how we live. So we're going to be exploring today how Dharma, this idea, this uh, philosophy, this way of being holds the key to right action and harmonious relationship with others in a very timely conversation today. We are here in the United States, we are just um, post-election, and of course many people are asking, um, how do we live? What is the right way? And so we're going to look at what yoga philosophy and Vedic wisdom can tell us in terms of how to live and develop uh, nurturing and harmonious relationships with others others, and we have the perfect guest today for this conversation, Philip Goldberg, who is the author uh, and co-author of numerous books, including American Veda, which if you have not read, you must. It is a must for everyone studying yoga, giving a wonderful uh, deep and wide exploration of how it is that uh, yoga came to the West and the ways those uh, Vedic ideas uh, pervade our consciousness now. Philip is a public speaker and workshop leader, spiritual counselor, meditation teacher, and ordained interfaith minister. Uh, His most recent ventures include leading American beta tours to India and co-hosting a wonderful podcast, which is called Spirit Matters, that explores spirituality from various perspectives. So you can find out more about Phil at his website, philipgoldberg.com. Calm. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, Phil. It's great to connect with you again.
3: It's always good to be with you, in person or on on the radio.
2: Thank you. And before we begin our uh, dialogue about Dharma, which I entitled "Dharma: Don't Leave Home Without It," and so we can take a look at why that's so important. Uh, let's begin just with a centering moment. We begin with a centering moment by simply tuning in to the body and mind in this moment. Becoming aware of our breath is the easiest way to do that. To just feel the breath as you breathe in. And as you breathe in, feel that you are intentionally turning your attention within. And as you breathe out, feeling the breath move out, Simply relaxing and letting go. No place to go, nothing to do in this moment, but breathe with awareness. You're breathing in, diving within, the infinite expanse of divine consciousness. Breathing out, Relaxing, letting go. And you can do this eyes open or eyes closed. Letting the breath connect you to the present moment. As you breathe in, feel more deeply connected to yourself your divine self, your ever-conscious, pure, unchanging, radiant self. And as you breathe out, feel the body let go of any tension it's holding. Let your shoulders drop down and back. And if in your moment of Breathing, becoming more aware of yourself as a spiritual being. You can touch that peace of the soul that is always within you. Infinite peace, unconditional peace. And let us take a moment to offer that peace. With the out-breath now, offer peace to all people and to all beings. With the in-breath, touch the peace within you. With the out-breath, offer peace. Today we're going to talk about dharma, the way of spiritually conscious living, the way to right action and harmonious relationship. And uh, we have a special gift today with having Phil Goldberg with us take a look at how the idea of dharma uh, came to the West and how it is shining a light for us in terms of how to think about the way that we live. Um, in Vedic teachings, Dharma is is one of the four universal goals and is really considered the foundation of our life goals, a way to live in righteousness, to live in harmony with the laws of nature and to understand how to work also with spiritual law. Um, and to be connected to our overarching dharma, our purpose of being here to wake up and be part of that process and uh, support others in the awakening process as well. And, of course, dharma is found right where we are. You know, Phil, I was thinking about Bhagavad Gita, of course, mm-hmm. in these days as we... As I mentioned when I opened the program this morning here, in real time uh, in the U.S. in November of 2016, we're just post a very tumultuous election time, and many people are asking, you know, how do we live? How do we heal the rift in our nation? And so I thought a lot about um, the Pandavas and the Kurus on the battlefield of Dharmakshetra and Kurukshetra, you know, right where we are, we have these opportunities to discover what dharma is and how we live it. So, tell us how you define dharma. How you think of it?
3: Well, I think you did a very good job of of defining it. Uh, to me, it's always meant um, that action that is most in tune with the evolutionary, positive evolutionary tendencies of existence, uh, that in more detail you would think of it as that which is in tune with the highest good, that which is the best uh, for one's own spiritual uh, growth, and the good of one's uh, surroundings and community and family and all the relationships we have so it, it's it's a catch-all term with a lot of s- subdivisions that essentially uh, is is not translatable to anything in English without using an ent- a full sentence to describe it. Um, it's a, an incredibly complex term packaged in these two syllables.
2: It's really like the word yoga, isn't it, Phil? But, yeah. You know, which we we have an we, you know, we think we have an idea of it, but there are so many different ways to understand what it is, and and uh, dharma is is certainly um, the same in terms of we just can't say well, uh, you know, dharma means uh, righteous living. Uh, right. You know, what does that mean? <laughs>
3: right. Exactly. <laughs> Especially in our world. Because when you when you think back to the you know early days of of life in India when these terms were first articulated or certainly first codified in in writing, uh, life was much simpler. So discerning one's Dharma, which you can tell from the, the, the Vedic texts was complicated even then. <laughs> but you know people were living in little villages with you know without even you know without automobiles or you know plumbing and and you know very simple division of labor and um very uh much more codified way of relating with with one's family and one's neighbors the life today is so complex that you know discerning what is dharmic or what one's own dharma is at any moment or period of life is uh, is not a simple matter and it's not obvious it's also like the term karma you know it it, it's very similar i mean there's a lot of overlap in the with dharma and and karma which is a much more familiar term with most people and they you know karma is easy to define and people think it's easy but when you get down to the nitty-gritty of 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 karma it's all very complicated (laughs)
2: Yeah, and it can, you know, it can, of course, it can simply mean action. Um, right. And then it's action like a, a pebble dropping into a pond with all of its uh, repercussions. Um and
3: interacting with, you know, <laughs> a few other billion pebbles. <laughs>
2: yeah, that is true. And so it's true that with dharma, we have all of those... Um, Levels, so I guess we could say, or interconnections, because you know, for me, it's 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 simplified to a certain degree where I can think of, okay, I have a principal dharma, um, which is what I'm here to do, and that is wake up you know you mentioned right. the evolutionary um thrust uh in life yeah. you know consciousness evolving on our planet so you know we all have i think we can say okay you know dharma is you know waking up so what what can i do how can i live that contributes to awakening you know my own awakening and is supportive of the awakening of others so that part seems um Fairly clear in terms of providing uh, a guideline. Um, but right. then, of course, you know, we get into um, the foundations for, for dharmic living, you know, for living in such a way that does contribute to awakening and to enlightenment. And that's where all the choice points come. You know, um, right. how do we bring in uh, harmlessness and truthfulness Um so all those questions come. I'm curious now, you know you you did such a great job in America and Veda of um, talking about the arrival of really Vedic concepts in, in America. And Dharma is surely one of them. So yes. um, tell us about um, how you see that particular um, concept. You know, starting to show up more and more in our culture as a result of of the way it was uh, seen as a lamp in India. Now that light has come here, and and how is it working here?
3: (laughs) It's interesting because I hadn't given you know explicit thought to this until you mentioned it uh, uh, in communicating with me before the show. Um, It's easy to see that at a certain point, yoga and meditation, and concepts like karma enter into the American uh, vocabulary and way of life. Um, there's a demarcation point uh, in modern life, you know, with especially uh, in, in 1968 when the Beatles go to India. And you could see a shift, you know, that Now the word karma is used very often and people are meditating and all that in in huge numbers. There was an earlier shift, as you know, with Yogananda. But the the mass media didn't exist to the point, the degree it did in the late 60s. So you could see that. But Dharma is a different uh, kind of thing because it's not as much part of the vocabulary as some of the other terms like mantra and guru and uh, ashram and and karma, um, so you, it's not that explicit. And oddly enough, it's, it was the Buddhists who, who put the who, who made the uh, the word itself more commonly known. One of mm-hmm. Jack Kerouac's famous books was called Dharma Bums, mm-hmm. and 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 Buddhists often use the term dharma, or they do use the term dharma to mean the path, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, they describe the Buddhist way. Yeah, Buddha Dharma, I think, is is familiar, yeah. And when the Zen teachers became popular with the beat generation, so the word Dharma entered the vocabulary, but didn't have the resonance of uh, all the nuances of what Dharma means. Um, And so it was the advent, the, the, um, the yogic teachers, the Hindu-oriented teachers, would would teach about it, but it, it, you know, it didn't, to my way of seeing things, it didn't enter the vocabulary, uh, but it did enter conceptually, because what I notice is a lot of the teachers would talk about dharma very much um, among their followers, but somehow didn't become part of the the mass media conversation. Mm-hmm. But conceptually it did because a lot of people absorb these teachings and, and a lot of the teachers didn't use the Sanskrit terms, but they spoke about Dharma. If you look at Yogananda's writings and some of the others, they're talking about getting in tune with the laws of nature and exactly. tuning, your, tuning your consciousness to the intuition deep inside when it's when it's attuned to cosmic intelligence or if they use religious language to the will of god to god's yeah. intelligence then you start to live more in tune with the uh, true purpose of life and that is dharmic but they didn't so the cons- conceptually it's there. And you see people, uh, especially yoga practitioners and meditators and students of the various gurus, talking about, occasionally, if they're talking to people who are, uh, share the vocabulary, they may say something like, well, I think it's not dharmic to do X mm-hmm. or Y, or, or I'm, try- I'm di- trying to discern my what's my, my dharma in this mm-hmm. moment. Uh, but other times, they may not even know the term, but they're talking about about you know what i have to tune into my highest good or mm-hmm. i have to do you know what's right for you know, the my own spiritual growth at this time or mm-hmm. my job isn't supporting my instead of saying dharmic path they might you know, my job is not dharmic they may say it's it's um uh, an obstacle to my spiritual growth or that sort of thing. So conceptually, I think it's part of the package that uh, we think of as, you know, uh, yogic teachings coming to to the West. But yeah, as a vocabulary see. item, yeah. it's not there yet.
2: Not there, but I think it's on the rise, Phil. Yes. Uh, I think there's a good possibility that the word may not be as sexy as yeah, yoga
3: true. or karma, <laughs> <And> <laughs> John Lennon didn't write a song called "Instant Dharma."
2: That's right. <laughs> so it, yeah, and you know what I mean by that is that it's it can't you can't quite get a marketing um, grasp of dharma. Although I, I suspect I suspect we'll see that at some point because, as you say, it is a concept that people are really thinking about, it. and I think about. My guru, uh,
3: often says... We could have, a, we could have an app <laughs> so, you know, that that tells you what your dharma is. So that,
2: yeah, yeah, <laughs> we could. The dharma app. That, I think it would be good. I mean, we certainly could develop one that would have the right questions in it, uh, to, as a guide. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually in the process right now of writing a, a, a Dharma course that's a year-long uh, online course. So that's, that kind of spurred me on to have these conversations. Um, but, you know, my, my guru often says the phrase, there is a power for good that runs this universe and we can learn to cooperate with it. And um, that's exactly uh, an explanation, a pointer to Dharma. And I find that when students hear that, there's a resonance like, oh, you know, thank God, you know, we live in an intelligent universe. I just have to figure out, you know, uh, how to understand it and how to cooperate with it. And that seems like um, right there at the crux of what dharma is about
3: and you know I would, before, yes i'm sorry i don't I didn't mean to interrupt no no go um, ahead um i would say yes the term figure out is often appropriate but it's also an attunement sometimes there's no figuring yeah. it's, it's it's not a rational process <laughs> it's not an analytic process it's a question of attunement yeah. to the, the larger dharmic picture because you know people can Figure out something about their marriage or their uh, career if it's if they're trying to sort out what's more dharmic. Um, But at a certain point, it becomes more of an inner intuitive kind of experience
2: well oh, that's a beautiful way to put it and and so I think it's kind of like we need both you know we need yeah. the inte- we need the intellect to understand the principle and um, but we need the heart um, for Dharma to be something that we can live, not that we just know about and conceptualize as you say and I think you know we do have that resonance or that attunement. Uh, with the self, the capital S self that tells us, you know, when we are living dharmically and when we're not, you know, Mm -hmm. because we're, we're learning how Mm -hmm. to cooperate, um, you know, with our own true self. Um, so we're going to go to a break in just a moment, but before we do, um, I, I like to know if, if you have a, for you, if there's a personal experience of dharma that you could tell us about um you know how it's impacted your life
3: Ah, well in my in my the evolution of my own spiritual path dharma played and the, the concept of it played a very big role um it's not a, an easy uh, thing to explain quickly but you know, back then, this is the late 60s, I was not only young and seeking, but I was uh, psychologically a bit of a mess and I'm trying to figure out my life and how to live it. And I didn't want to be a conformist, but at the same time, I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I I had to fit into the world somehow and I didn't know how. Um, when I read a certain passages in the Gita uh, and came to uh, under, come to understand the what dharma meant there's one verse in the gita that i bl- blew my mind and as, you know when i looked into it conceptually it made so much sense it is better death in one's own dharma mm-hmm. the dharma of another brings danger mm-hmm. and that that told me that i can be uh, true to my own individuality And still be part of a spiritual community, part of a path, uh, still accept uh, authority to a certain degree Uh, when they had expertise, I didn't. But I didn't have to be a phony and I didn't have to pretend to be something I'm not. Not only was it permission to look at my own uh, individual needs and my own sense of what is appropriate for me, but it it says you must do that if you mm-hmm. want to advance on that on the path you must be true to your own dharma and not pretend to be something else because that dharma seems on some level to be superior or you yeah. make you and that was terribly important to me and it it it's not like it was one moment or one decision but it's a, mm-hmm. it's been a guiding principle ever since it's like you know yeah. what is right, what is the best for me at this moment what uh-huh. what will be most supportive to my yeah. spiritual growth at this uh-huh. moment? It's not always easy to discern, but yeah. there it
2: oh, was. I am so glad, Phil, that you brought that passage up because it is one that is critically important about dharma and I think many people resonate with it. I I do too. Um, This whole idea that it's better, that the phrase, you know, that how I have seen it translated is it's better uh, even to fail in pursuit of your own dharma than to succeed in that of another. So, um, it's like don't be tempted to do something, you know, just because you can do that well, um, what you have to do is follow your own path because that will aid you in your evolution. We were talking gotcha. in the beginning about, you know, uh, this overarching Dharma, which is to wake up. So, doing what is ours to do, that which is in harmony with our, our, our true self, our deepest self, however you want to describe that, um, actually is sort of our grist for the mill you know it supports yeah. us along the way of of becoming you know that that which we are in fullness so um that's a beautiful way to think of dharma thank you for offering that and let's um go to a break now and we get back we can talk more about what it is to live a dharmic life you're listening to the yoga hour with our special guest today Philip Goldberg he's the author of American Veda uh, and also um, has a regular podcast, Spirit Talk Matters. And uh, you can find out more about Phil at his website, philipgoldberg.com. We'll be right back with you in just a few minutes.
0: now available you pray the free prayer app from silent unity for more than a century people from all over the world and all walks of life have turned to silent unity with you pray our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access with you pray you can send your prayer directly to silent unity you pray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends plus audio meditations for your prayer time for more about the free you pray app and links to download Visit SilentUnity.org slash app. That's SilentUnity.org slash app.
1: Listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour.
2: Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. And today we are exploring what Dharma is, this um, deep uh, philosophical idea, concept, uh, reality that is, um, how to live, really, how to live a conscious life, how to live in harmony with the infinite. Dharma means support. Um, and when we discover how to live as the spiritual beings that we are, uh, how to live in harmony with the infinite, of course, that is a great support. And it also refers to this uh, web of life, which is our support uh, in all of its uh, levels. And so, um, when we think of Dharma, beyond, you know, we were talking in, in the opening of the program, um, Phil, you brought uh, up that beautiful verse from the Gita that says, you know, it's better to do your own work and fail in it than to do the work of another and succeed. And we were looking at. You know, how doing our own work, even if we stumble along, is actually the way that we grow. It's the way that we evolve. And that's why it's so important. You know, it's so tempting to think about, well, let, let me just do this because it's easier. I can do it well. But that's not the point. The point is not the end result. The point is the journey and the journey of awakening. And um, that is really dharmic living. And but another aspect
3: yes yeah, please uh, it's also I... not you go ahead go ahead <laughs> no, You're no. The
2: <laughs> no you go because i was going to change the topic and i want to hear what you oh, have to
3: say i was going to say um it, it, what you said is is ext- it's very true but i was reflecting on when you asked me my own uh for an anecdote or a, an example um very often even in spiritual communities that talk about dharma um People get confused because there's sort of um, pressure in communities to conform to behavior of other people, um, and there are certain assumptions enter in that one particular way of doing things is better for your spiritual growth than another. (laughs) And, um, And having this notion of dharma... And the uh, individuality of it uh, is a very useful uh, thing to keep in mind for people because uh, the example I was going to give is when I was involved in the spiritual community in the 70s and uh, our guru, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, is the one who explained Dharma to us and, and explained what it means and told us to be true to our own Dharma and all that. And yet... There were certain assumptions that if you behaved a certain way, it would be, you know, you'd get closer to the guru and it would be uh, it would bestow great boons on your own spiritual growth and all that. And that became part of the ethos. And I remember thinking, oh, I must be spiritually retarded because I don't feel like uh, behaving in these ways, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and yeah, then i remember dharma uh-huh. and that i had to be true to my own dharma and and uh, this is an extremely important thing as one navigates the the spiritual path but one also has to do it honestly and not say oh it's my dharma when it's just sort of the easy way out <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. And I think, you know, there's there's so many uh, layers of the practice. So you're talking about being in a spiritual community and having a relationship with a guru. And as a disciple on the path, of course, um, you know, we want to emulate the guru um, as our teacher. And uh, that can, you know, bump into... Um, imitating the guru, yes. um, you know, which is not our dharma. So no,
3: we <laughs> must not imitate the guru.
2: <laughs> so we we <laughs> sort of bumble along, I think, in the beginning with that, trying to figure out how to do that. And yeah. um, I think it's okay, you know, in the beginning we adopt certain things and and maybe even certain mannerisms that are a little bit ridiculous um, yeah. later, you know, that we find embarrassing. Embarrassing, but, yeah. um, but we, we kind of need to do that because we don't know how to shift our consciousness um, without doing that. But ultimately, I think we find out that the the true guru is a master of being himself or herself, yeah. and that's. That's the message. The message is not to be um, the self that they are, but to be right. the self right. that exactly. we are, <laughs> and that and that is that is dharma. And okay. ultimately, of course, dharma points to moksha, to liberation, and yes. so um, that is the trajectory of the path um, that. We want to be on the. Uh, what I was going to bring up to Phil is this other aspect of Dharma besides you know doing what is ours to do, um, unfolding our uh, innate potentials uh, in, in, in harmony with our own uh, awakening process. The other piece of Dharma is about um, harmonious living. Hmm. Um, you know how we live every day that is in attunement, you know, with, um, with, spirit, with spirit, you know, with the higher good, with the overarching uh, divine reality. And so what have you found, you know, to be necessary, you know, for you to do that, to, yeah. to live in harmonious relationship with the universe?
3: Well, first to live in harmonious relationship internally with you know my own consciousness and the universe that's always the foundation that's always the starting point and that that attunement that inner stroke of um of uh, bringing consciousness one's attention into uh into attunement with the universal um is that's the the universal dharma that's what we're all called upon to do and it's the beginning point but then you come out you know from whatever method methods or sadhana you do and and you have to behave in the world and to me one of my biggest challenges has been um understanding that other people have to live their dharma and that it doesn't always necessarily please me (laughs) yeah and it doesn't always necessarily make my life easier Mm-hmm. but it, but i have to support other people the people i care about in being true to their dharma and ultimately that's better for the for all relationships if everybody's living in tune with their their dharma than you know expecting somebody to behave a certain way because it kind of fits my dharma and and i think that's that's one of our challenges our cha- the thing about dharma is we have you know this personal dharma, there's this universal dharma, as you said, to, to evolve, to liberation, to awaken. But we also have uh, a dharma as uh, children of parents, as parents of children, as spouses, as neighbors, as brothers and sisters. So we, there's different dharmic patterns in the different roles we play and we have to discern what is the best in those situations in traditional cultures and to some degree in ours there are uh, rules in uh, of the road to to help guide us you mm-hmm. the, you, you behave in a respectful mm-hmm. way to your elders you you do this you know you do that and uh, a lot of those norms break down in our complex society um but still there are patterns and sometimes it's very subtle and you have to discern what is my appropriate dharma with respect to you know uncle joe who's you know you know uh, an alcoholic or is a mm-hmm. jerk and you know mm-hmm. do i how do i support him and his family and yet protect myself mm-hmm. from you know things i mean this gets very complicated mm-hmm. but but To me, having that notion of Dharma in mind at all times, what's the greatest good here?
2: I think, um, yeah, you brought up a really good point and um, one of the reasons I think, you know, of course, Dharma is, is going to become more pervasive in our culture, you know, as more and more people are practicing yoga um, and who are studying yoga philosophy and uh, benefiting from these uh, Vedic teachings, I think Dharma is going to to rise up. One, because we really need it <laughs> in the West, we really need this yeah, yeah. Um, to have a greater Uh, understanding, you know, of what it is to live together. But um, one of the things that you just brought up, and I, I was recalling that one of the things that attracted me to Dharma was I never liked the word duty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as, you know, as as a child of the 60s, you know, in that rebellious um, yeah, part yeah. of me, you know, for me, duty meant just submitting That's to right. doing um, something that I didn't want to do, but I was prescribed to do. Wow. And that was very much against, you know, what I thought was the independent nature of my own um I don't know what, you know, what uh, entitlement or something, you know, I just felt like I just should be free to do what I wanted. But what I learned about, you know, the word Dharma also means duty. And I, I found that just to be so much more exotic, you know, <laughs> to think of Dharma rather than to think of duty. And the reason I'm bringing that up is that let me return to the idea of duty and to see it through different eyes um, yes, so that you know we have a Dharma to our pets, we have a Dharma to the uh, to the earth, we have a Dharma to our you know Uncle Joe as you say we you know as a um, in e- each role that we have in life has a dharma connected to it. And if we understand it, that dharma is not about a duty for anybody else. In a sense, it's, it's really at the crux of our own liberation. And so, you know, when we look at it that way, I think it becomes, you know, for me, it shifts the lens out of being yeah. outer oriented, um, to being able to have, um, uh, a, a referral, you know, within myself about what this idea of duty is. So I think we can reclaim it in a very positive light.
3: Very good point. I'm really glad you brought that up because sometimes you see a kind of a superficial translation of Dharma as duty. Mm-hmm. and um, But it's so much more subtle than that. And I had a very similar uh, experience with that as, <clears throat> you know, a kid of the sixties too. I, I, duty, forget about it. That was just drudgery and, you know, conformity. But when you think of duty in the Dharmic sense, it just means being true to what's good. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and it, it, it means, taking responsibility, not just for being true to yourself, but for, uh, for the uplift and benefit of other people. And, and one thinks, oh no, I have to, and and people can use the word Dharma to sort of justify their own selfish behavior. I'm being true to my Dharma. (laughs) I, I can't be bothered. You know, I have to be true to my Dharma. You know, I can't do this for you or whatever. But that's not, you know, ultimately, that's where the word karma comes in. Because if you, if, you, if you mess around with a term like dharma and act in, a, in an inappropriate or selfish way, it's going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, ultimately, you know, what behaving in tune with one's dharma is good karma. Mm-hmm. Very
2: good. I think we could get a bumper sticker out of that one, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> really. That's really good. And and I think yeah, we have to understand that Actually, there is responsibility um, that is inherent to Dharmic living, and that's one of the reasons why I think it is so important to our time, because, you know, now we're um, sort of lighting up and becoming aware and interested in um, things like sustainability, for example, you know, we want to live in sustainable ways because we're aware of what's happening on our planet. And um, to me, sustainability is a principle of, of, dharmic, <clears throat> of dharmic living. So do you also see that?
3: Yes. And it also has a lot to do with um, living with in, in a diverse culture and in a globalized world where we, we are, we're no longer, uh, most of us, living in little villages where everybody is of the same ethnic and religious and racial uh, background and where roles are well-prescribed. Things are very complicated now, and um, I think you mentioned the election before. So, you know, one of the reasons it's, it's been so divisive and so many people are very troubled is um, th- there seems to be a breakdown in in the respect and um, support people have for people who are not like themselves mm-hmm. and 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 uh, that would be a dharmic to to make divisions and not to behave toward the other in a way that makes the other a, a, a part of one's own essentially kinship network mm-hmm. Um and, and to be respectful of the earth and to protect the earth. Um, these are dharmic behaviors that, um, if, if threatened, reverberate in, in a way that uh, would not support the spiritual evolution of, of the larger whole and of, of each of us as individuals. So I think that sense of responsibility... To not just to ourselves and our families, but to the larger uh, human community and the and the all sentient beings, as the Buddhists say, and the planet is part of our dharma. We mm-hmm. are called to do this. It is our duty to behave in a in a way that supports the earth and supports the, the greater good.
2: Well, and it's interesting, isn't it, Phil? That you know uh, that this. Um teaching of living dharmically and we, we think about, you know, how respect is a component of it, you know, respect for the earth, respect for others, because we recognize that everything, every, every single thing is connected. So we're in that network of mutuality that Dr. King uh, referred to. And, uh, and so what we do reverberates you know and it, and it comes back to us mm-hmm. so we we know that's important and and i think at the same time we're we have a little bit of arjuna's dilemma you know we're yes. here on the battlefield and the battlefield is our life which in in the sense of battle i think is deciding what we have to do every day you know to stand up and rightfully take our place in the right way and right. of course he's you know his depression is mm-hmm. that you know he's he has to stand up against people that he loves and people he knows he's related to. And, um, so I think, you know, some of that is in our um, face right now, you know, in the United States, that we, you know, this is one, you know, we're saying this is one country and we're so divided, and how do we stand up for what we believe is right and what is our dharma and still be able to listen to that
3: of another? Um,
2: It's a a very important opportunity. It Um,
3: is, and we don't always, and we don't all have a, a, a charioteer uh, uh, who's actually you know, the, the, the lord of the universe to turn to for guidance mm-hmm. but you know, if you look at the Gita in, in uh, metaphoric ways we all in fact do have the lord of the universe and cosmic intelligence in, in our uh, chariot it's, it's called you know, our own self our own mm-hmm. attunement our own divine nature and that's where we, you know, ultimately have to go to get that guidance. And, and the more we advance on the spiritual path, it becomes more easy to discern what's dharmic at any particular moment. Not that it's always easy, but it becomes easier because we become more attuned to, to that higher good. But um, it is still sometimes a dilemma, and people have to sort that out. And sometimes it it seems like in Arjuna's case, uh, our Dharma in one area of our lives seems to conflict with our Dharma in another area of life. And that's not always easy to sort out. Mm -hmm.
2: And I think, you know, for me, the way of sorting it out comes from what you described in the beginning as attunement. And so when I can get to a place where I feel. Peace inside of myself, then I know what to do. Um, I may not like what I have to do, you know, it may not be um, easy for me, um, but. If I'm choosing the right thing at the right time, then my way of knowing that is a kind of a settling of my mind and my body. Uh, everything comes together, uh, in a way we would call yoga. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I feel connected to myself. I feel grounded in my truth. I don't, I don't feel, um, you know, a a reaction, I feel a response. And so I think we have these ways Mm -hmm. of, you know, tuning in um, that can help us know. Um, So, you know, what, how would you encourage someone, Phil, to live um, dharmically in these difficult times?
3: Well, I think, as I said before, to me, it all begins with sadhana. Um, that, you know, this, uh, very important verse in the Gita that the, the Sanskrit is yoga star, kru karmani, established in yoga, perform actions. So since this is the yoga hour, we can, we can advocate first becoming a yogi, first tune into the unity, the unified consciousness that is the definition of yoga. And, and to me that, that, regular attunement is is the best guarantee that you'll behave in terms of dharma. And I think one thing we need to emphasize is that when one is in fact in tune with dharma and behaving in a dharmic way, there is a kind of inner contentment and uh, peace that often results and is a sign you're in the right going in the right direction it it would favor the expression of love it would favor the expression of empathy and compassion so you know i i, I don't want to sound like i don't struggle with these things myself because i do but and sometimes you become unattuned so to speak mm-hmm. <laughs> but but if you favor compassion and you favor love, even in a confusing moment, you are more likely to find your way to the right dharmic action. Because dharma, you know, in the, in the universal or cosmic sense, dharma would be in tune with the, the uh, loving, blissful nature of the, uh, of the universe.
2: Oh, that was so beautifully put, Phil. I uh, I really appreciate that and think it's so helpful. Um helped me a lot to hear you say that. And um I, I sort of came away with um The wisdom of, you know, first being a, first be a yogi, then you can be a dharmi. You can, (laughs) not a dummy, but a dharmi. First be a yogi and then you can live dharmically. But first you have to have that awareness of your true self, know how to be in harmony with it. And then lastly, I felt, you know, I could summarize what you were just saying as, you know, Dharma leans towards love with a capital L yeah. Dharma leans yeah. towards love and so we can orient ourselves towards that as our as our compass as we um, strive to learn you know what our responsibility is what our duty is uh, and what our joy is uh, living in harmony with the universe um, thank you so much Phil for being back on the yoga hour today I want to remind the listeners about your your book *American Veda*, and uh, if you have not read it, it really is a must-read. Um, on your reading list, *Autobiography of a Yogi* and *American Veda*, and you'll and you'll find uh, some uh, really interesting. Um, insights about Paramahansa Yogananda and his journey uh, to America in Phil's book, American Veda. And also, um, Phil with uh, Dennis uh, Ramundi has a wonderful podcast called Spirit Matters, and you can find out more about all of that at com. And there are some previous uh, episodes on Yoga Hour with Phil so you can um, go to the yoga hour archive page and uh, look for those um,
3: episodes and one with, with you on spirit matter
2: Yes and there is a podcast with me on Spirit Matters which was really early on on the program yes, and yes. that was a lot of fun so go to Spirit Matters and you can hear us having another conversation and that was kind of a personal one for me Phil because I think you were mm-hmm. talking about my own spiritual journey so yeah. um I I appreciated that very much and um Next week, there's going to be an encore episode with um, Zoketsu Norman Fisher on gratitude, just as we're heading into the Thanksgiving season. And if you're listening in real time, you can join me at the Classical Yoga Thanksgiving Retreat up at the Yoga Farm in Grass Valley. So visit uh, csecenter.org to find out about that retreat. The Kriya Yoga Retreat coming up in December in Morro Bay, California. Uh, uh, the Yoga Hour is a service project of Center for Spiritual Light Enlightenment a meditation center in the kriya yoga tradition find out about more about CSE at csecenter.org remember to subscribe to the yoga hour at iTunes or Stitcher and a big Gratitude to our Yoga Hour team, producer and guest host Dr. Laurel Trujillo, assistant producers Nita Kenyon and Ann Hayes, and Jeff Comfort, who is the ever-present divine support there in the sound booth at unity online radio i look forward to being with you again until then remember to let your inner light shine into the world to share your peace and joy with all that you meet thank you again phil it was so great to talk to you
3: my pleasure have a wonderful thanksgiving
2: thanks talk to you later bye
1: Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. A ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. www.csecenter.org Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org
0: The optimist sees the good in all things, builds upon the most hopeful and cheerful view of matters, and expects the best possible outcome. The pessimist, unwilling to look for the good, rarely finds it. Both optimism and pessimism are states of mind. They are attitudes, not events. The words we most often use reflect our strongly held thoughts and affect every area of our lives. If you're finding more frustration than fulfillment in your life, Take a look at what you're thinking. Find something more positive to think, say, or do. Begin building a happier, more satisfying life for yourself today as you choose to look for and find the good in every person and circumstance. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity.
1: To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org.